This is the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the best tactical and statistical analysis of Liverpool FC. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Analyzing Anfield, your tactics and statistics podcast, courtesy of the Blood Red channel. Still Josh Williams hosting, Christian's still on his break, um, and I'm still joined by David Hughes. How are we? Very still, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm good, I'm good. Thank we're you. still going. Um, yeah. So this week, we're going to address Sheffield United, obviously, on the weekend, the the, the, uh, the 1-0 win. Was, was 1-0, wasn't it? Yeah, it was yeah. 1-0, yeah. <laughs> Just about that, to be fair. <laughs> and then... Salzburg during the week, which was a little bit different, I think it's safe yeah, to say. Yeah, it wasn't quite a 1-0, was it? No. And we've obviously got Brendan Rodgers coming up on the weekend, so we're going to talk about that. Uh, so we'll get straight into it, no messing. And I think it was a, a really tough game at, at Sheffield United. Um, I think you can safely label this one, for me, as an ugly win. Because we, you know, we talked about this last week, didn't we, in terms of the difference between an ugly win and a lucky win. Um, and I think this one just just edged on the on the ugly side for me, which which is welcomed to an extent. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was a tough game, and for people who would have watched or listened last week, we did say that United are very well drilled. Um, actually, more so than what I expected. I expected to be a little bit more attack minded this season, and they they haven't been. But what they have been is is quite compact, and we saw that. You know, at, at Bramall Lane, and they made it very really difficult for Liverpool. Um, I agree. I think Liverpool deserved the victory, but the manner in which the goal came was obviously quite fortunate. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. And obviously, if that doesn't go in, then it's it's one of those days at the office. But fortunately, it did. A little bit of luck there, but yeah, I agree. I think Liverpool deserved deserved the win overall. Um, yeah, I was, I was actually. I said to you, didn't I? I was working the game, but I've I've looked over the more detailed highlights than what you'd have on say match of the day, and uh, yeah, I was quite impressed with with how they how they set up and how they remain pretty compact through the middle. Um, I know they had to they, they, it meant that Liverpool had a bit more space out wide, but that's the lesser two evils, isn't it? Either giving the ball to them out there or giving it to the front three, which can normally lead to goals quite easily. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we didn't create a great deal. But what we did create was quite clear cut in, in certain moments. Um and at the same time we obviously prevented them from creating much in terms of clear cut chances at least at at all. So I don't think we were particularly reliant on Adrian. Um so hence the hence the lucky win, but it's it seemed uh, sorry, hence the ugly win. <laughs> but it, it's it seemed to get the lucky tag because of the goal. Yeah. Um but anyway, you know Goals to sad narratives as, exactly. as we say. We said that yeah. last week, yeah. But uh, I think, you know, Sheffield sets up as... I'm calling them Sheffield. <laughs> Sheffield United. Yeah. Well, in fact, United will call them, mate. Yeah, United, as I said, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll push Man United to one side and we'll let uh, Sheffield United take that tag. Yeah. So the, the set-up, as we expected, uh, ended up forming a back five, three midfielders ahead and then two strikers ahead of that. Uh, really well drilled without the ball. You know, we mentioned that. Although they, they're inclined on playing and they're inclined on basically playing more football than the likes of Newcastle or Cardiff, they're also really realistic in how they play the game. Um, so and I, I think we saw that without the ball, really, really well drilled, defensively solid, 
Um, I think Liverpool's main problem, particularly in the first half, was Chris Wilder very clearly for me had a plan to allow our defenders the ball, including Trent, including Robertson, let them have as many touches as they, as they want. But then as soon as they decide to progress towards the final third, immediately pressurise them, mm. immediately force them backwards. Yeah, and, and aggressive I, as well with that press when they come to that zone as well. Yeah, yeah, it? really tight. Almost, almost man-marking to an extent. Mm. Um, and, you know, as I said, if Firmino did get the tiniest bit of space in the final third in his usual in his usual zones, he immediately be pressurised, wouldn't be able to turn on the ball. Mm. Nothing like that. And we just really struggled not to keep the ball because we, we, we were allowed it for, yeah. from, 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 for the most part. Mm. It was just progressing into the final third was the major problem. Yeah. Um, it's basically the, the best way you could explain it couldn't you is the way Liverpool have a higher line and press higher to make that space very short where the team the opposition sorry can play through United do almost a version of that but instead of pa- pushing high they're happy to sit deep but create that same sort of situation where there's very little room for teams to play through um, yeah 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 which is very good and they, they did it really well yeah, it it didn't really surprise me, you know. It's kind of that realistic, pragmatic side that Chris Wilder's got, which mm. does benefit benefit the team because obviously he's willing to to adjust based on the opponent more so than the likes of Norwich, who will just mm. play their game no matter what. Mm. Uh, and we struggled considerably more than we did against Norwich in terms of playing through them. We we, yeah. we really struggled to play through them. Uh, Sheffield United's approach seemed to be. Whenever they did get the ball, quickly break through largely the area in which Trent is supposed to be playing. Just any kind of loose balls I, I picked up on mm. were just almost aimlessly hit in the direction of Trent yeah. with no real teammates there, nothing like that. Just It was just a case of like, just put the ball over there, keep... Put keep, in that vicinity, basically. Yeah, keep testing that zone, the pitch kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, it didn't really pay... Pay dividends for them, but I could see why they'd done it. Um, and it was just, it was just generally, particularly in the first half, an uncomfortable watch. Mm. wasn't a nice wasn't a nice game. Um, I think Guardiola spoke years ago when, when he was at Bayern. When he first got to Bayern, I don't think he was particularly happy with his team's building from the back. Mm. And he said, he said what they were doing, they were forming basically a U shape with their passing network. So it was going left-back, centre-back, centre-back, right-back. Yeah. Right-back, centre-back, centre-back, left-back. And it was just forming a U-shape and that was it. Easy to defend against, not threatening well, at all. You see that a lot in the Premier League now with Sards who are trying to become possession-based teams, aren't they? And they can't, I think the best example is and, and Everton. You know, we were trying, yeah. to, trying to do it, can't quite do it yet. And they, yeah, they perfectly, as you just said there, have that U-shape. Yeah. Um, the, the, the team I've just thought of then with the whole U-shaped thing was a uh, was a Frank de Boer, yeah. Crystal Palace, yeah, yeah. something like. I mean, he eight, basically just tried to drop it from the offset of the season. Yeah, yeah. something well, like eight matches, sorry. eight drop, eight, eight losses or yeah. something like that. It was when no goals scored. Yes, didn't score for around four or five games. Yeah, uh, unbelievable. Um, yeah, just go on. I was going to say on, on Trent because it's been an ongoing thing, hasn't it? Um, I think it was it was Sam Sam Maguire who uh, who, who messaged me about it. Uh, Talking about that right side, that 
you know, do you think SARS are targeting it? Because uh, some people have had a theory that, and which I actually don't agree with, um, that Klopp is somehow tactically showing the opposition's sides to that side of the pitch as a, as a, on purpose. It's something I don't... Maybe you disagree. I I, I don't see the it's benefit. The right yeah. I don't see the benefit of that personally, but it does seem that a lot of tax are, are built down that side, don't they? I know we've t- touched on things like avoiding Van Dijk, who's obviously normally on the on the left side of the defence, but is it because Trent's lacking that, I don't know, that positional know-how? Is that the right term? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? That's yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this is worth addressing anyway because uh, I've we've I've recently personally joined the uh, the Blood Red podcast group on Facebook. I'm getting involved with the hashtag uh, ad. <laughs> <laughs> getting involved with the fans. Yeah. Uh, and one of the questions this week was was regarding Trent. Um, I, I just think. He's not. I don't think he's as defensively bad as he's perceived to be, and I think he's really unfortunate too, for club and country. He plays on the weaker side of his defence, on in both cases, and particularly in terms of Salah, he gets a lot less cover mm. from Salah than Robertson does with Marnie, mm. for example. So yeah. he is open to exposure at Liverpool, uh, and it's it's. You know, Azpilicueta, for example, is deemed to be having a bad season at the minute. He's not necessarily having a bad season if you actually look at it. Mm. It's just a case of, compared to years gone by, he's coping with a lot more um, exposure, a lot more vulnerability, a lot more demands on his shoulders. We spoke last week, didn't we, about Pep Guardiola and why he requires top players and the best around. Yeah, And it's because of the demands he places on their shoulders. Mm. Yeah, I think in this game particularly as well, you know, with O'Connell, who's like the overlapping centre-back, isn't he, for United, which we spoke about, didn't we, again on the show. You know, there was times where he was getting... There was overloads on his side, really, was he didn't have the support. But that being said, here's a question for you. I'll be interested to see what other people said in the comments or replies to the show. If Trent wasn't as good as he is in attack, right? Say he was half as half as good as he is. I don't know how you try and gauge that. Yeah, just for the, this scenario, would he be a starter for Liverpool on his defensive capabilities, or is that role more important offensively than defensively now? It's a good question. And I'll it, put you on the so, spot there. So if, but if he was the same defensively but half as good in attack, in attack, yeah, would he still be a starter? I don't think he'd be good enough for Liverpool, no. Really, yeah. No. So then... The, 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 it's tricky. It's really yeah. tricky because you obviously can't gauge that. But so then would you agree then that, that it's it's more important to be a good attacker now as a full-back than a, a good defender? Or maybe um, just because it's Liverpool, how good they are. That they for Liverpool, defend. especially considering their current system, you really do have to be a, a good attacker. You mm. do, do have to be good on the ball. Trent is unbelievable on the ball. Yeah, I agree. Unbelievable. I agree. Like yeah. it, 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 even even if he isn't the best defensively because of what he does bring in attack, it just makes him it, it, almost undroppable, doesn't it? I yeah, know he, I know he's, he does. he's like um, he's like a a deeper De Bruyne. Yeah, yeah. He's good like shot. a very good shot. He's like, he's like a modern day. If 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 David Beckham was to play in the modern day, he, <laughs> he wouldn't really have a role. No, because just his type of winger doesn't really exist in the game anymore no, at the changed. top level. Yeah, you're right. So he'd probably be a fullback, you know, yeah. Yeah. in the mould of Trent, whereby he's not the best defensively, but in possession, 
he's such a threat. Yeah, I agree. You could probably imagine Beckham kind of hovering between like the middle third and the attacking third out wide, receiving the ball from the the like outside forward, so to speak, and just whipping them in all, all the time. Which, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really good comparison, actually, to be honest. I've took um, us down a rabbit hole there, sorry, <laughs> mate, but I just, this is kind of what happens on the show, doesn't it? A little no, it's bit. good. Um, we welcome that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, I think the overall XG throughout the game was, there wasn't much in it. There wasn't much to separate it, but I think the difference was, and the reason we deserved the the win for me was, we didn't create much at all. But what we did create, you know, really sporadic every half an hour or so, clear cut chances. Mm. We had the Mane one where Van Dijk hit her over the top, mm. and that was the that was the real big big one for me. And then just before I think the first half ended, Mane hit the post. Mm. Absolutely should have scored. Yeah, by his standards, the form he's in as well. I think if if you put them in, you two nil up going in half time. So although it's a tough game, you've got the lead and. Mm. I just think it would have been a different game, but our finishing unusually doesn't usually happen. Made the game a little bit tougher for us, and we ended up getting a breakthrough through a fluke, really. Mm, yeah. um, I think the lad in goal is contacted to, United, to Man United as yeah, well. Yeah, so. he was a very good goalkeeper in the championship <laughs> last year. Yeah, yeah. He was, no. he was actually probably the best, but yeah, it's uh, it was a bit of a, a sprinkle of sweetness, wasn't it? Really, that he was a uh, United and probably will be United's number one one day. So he'll probably get a little bit of stick for that in the future. Yeah, but I think it was uh, I think it was very much an ugly win for me. Mm. Although the goal was lucky, it's weird yeah. how how each week apparently the Chelsea game was uh, was was deemed as l- ugly. Yeah, we, wasn't we it? basically said yeah a little bit lucky rather than uh, an ugly win. Yeah, but uh, the actual the, the the common narrative seemed to get those two switched around. So it's interesting the way that works. I suppose but, the important thing is as well both wins. Yeah, definitely. But I think. You know, on Sheffield United, I expect them to do well throughout the season. They'll, they'll be a tricky, tricky mm. team to face them. That, you know, they'll give City a game when they have to go to Bramall Lane themselves. Mm. Um, really, really well drilled without the ball. Very physical. And one of the reasons I think Liverpool came away with the result was because of the performance of Van Dijk, which I thought was unbelievable on the day. I thought he was imperious. Mm. Uh, I spoke a couple of weeks ago to Christian we spoke for the first time really at length about Van Dijk and I, I said he was, he's what you make in a lab. If you're, <laughs> if you're making your perfect centre-back, mm. you make him in a lab because he's a, he's the perfect defender for for every scenario really. If you need to soak pressure, if you need to fight, if you need to be good on the ball, if you need to play with a high line, yeah. whatever it may be, mm. he, he can do it and I, I think the away trip to Sheffield United and the away trip to Burnley as well recently. He's been a major reason why we've come away with three points on both times because he, he's able to cope with that physical threat. Yeah, He's able to win aerial duels, not just win them, but win them whereby his header will fall to a teammate. Yeah, he's able to control the direction of win. his headers. Yeah, I agree, yeah. Uh, so I, I just think it was important to, to give him a note because... As I said, he was honestly ridiculous on the day. I thought. Yeah, well, it was also in that game. He um, he was at, he was a lot busier than he usually is, isn't he? And I, I noticed only this season. Although with it, with, with we're coming into what seven league games now, so we are getting a decent sample. Plus, there's cup games in there, and he had twenty defensive du- duels. Um, he normally only has around twelve, thirteen. Um, 
come out on top in 16 of them. And to be honest with you, we know, don't we, why Scout can be a little bit weird, yeah. Weird. So I wouldn't mind looking at them in more detail because the, from what I've seen, I can't remember them really losing out on any. Um, no, so. I know. I just, I just think when, when Sheffield United were, were building these dangerous moves, mm. he was the man to to intercept before um, before they materialised into something more dangerous. Yeah. And then if if they were to pose an aerial threat, he'd be the man to sweep them up too. Mm. And then in terms of creating the first clear-cut chance for Mane, yeah, he was there, he's yeah. the man for that as well. So yeah. it, he was just honestly unbelievable. Yeah. Um, incredible player. Uh, certainly deserved a mention for me. So anyway, we'll leave Sheffield United there. Escape with the win and never look back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we'll move on to the more entertaining game of the week, which I think it's safe to say we got spot on. Yeah, uh, we did, yeah. I was feeling quite smug at full time. I don't know about you. Yeah, um, yeah I wasn't yeah. sure. I think it ended 9-6, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it was 4-3 on the day. Uh, Liverpool Could versus Salzburg. Yeah. Uh, Just for context, by the way, the reason we're feeling so smug is because me and Josh did basically predict this kind of chaotic game with loads of goals and it turned out to be that. Yeah, I think Salzburg were uh, exactly what I expected them to be. I think for the first half an hour or so, they were maybe hitting too long. Mm. But, you know, they generally epitomised for me what a Red, a Red Bull club's about in terms of very vertical, in terms of going front to back very quickly. Mm. No sideways passing, no building the play, nothing like mm. that, just a to B quickly, um, very brave on the ball, pressing, and goals. Yeah. And I think we, that's exactly what we saw. Yeah. Uh, which is, even if that's your game, it's difficult to actually bring that at a place like Anfield on a European night. Like, but yeah, it, it you know it was a, it was a really entertaining game, especially for the new tools. I'm assuming. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, but yeah, it was a uh, it was what we expected, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, spot on. I think I totally agree with everything about the the high energy, the pressing game. Interestingly, I noticed that their pressing numbers. I think the PPDA was like just over thirteen, which standalone isn't that impressive, but at Anfield it is. And I think only Barcelona in like the last six or seven months. I mean, we scanned over the data, but only Barcelona have got close to that or better at that, which shows the kind of belief that they had going into the game because I said to you didn't I it will be interesting to see how this exciting energetic team will perform against an elite side like Liverpool at Anfield because domestically they don't face that sort of, sort of competition and they haven't been in the Champions League for a while either so there's a lot of Europa League fixtures but not not the elite Champions League fixtures and I think that first half an hour they did they did show as 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 the manager alluded to after the game, they did show a little bit too much respect to Liverpool. Um, I think at one point, with about half an hour gone, or twenty five minutes gone, they they were averaging around something like forty seven passes Liverpool before pressing through in the ball at one point, which is bonkers really. Too much respect, but it all seemed to change the minute the formation could change, and when Liverpool got the third. Yeah, well, I think it was very much. We said we said this most weeks, but it was very much a game of two halves. This one, <laughs> yeah. this this was crazy. This was first half. Liverpool, um, one point four five xg compared to zero point four, and then second half, Liverpool zero point nine seven xg 
compared to 1.5. Mm-hmm. And the weird thing is, in both halves, I think each team took the same amount of shots in both mm. halves. But the difference was in the first half, Liverpool had all the clear cut chances. In the second half, Salzburg had them all. Yeah. So it, it was a weird game. Yeah. It was. Uh, we we dominated the game initially for me. First first forty five minutes, first half an hour was almost too easy. I thought. Yeah. Uh, I'd say first half hour. I thought that fifteen minutes before half time, they they come into it and become especially when they got the goal. I think uh, what what uh, what was the exact time um, when he when he changed to a diamond? I'm pretty sure it was around just after the third goal. Yeah, it was. It was yeah. maybe thirty to forty-five minutes around in and around that period. Yeah, but it didn't really have much of an influence until after half time. That was the key bit, I think, for it's, me. Anyway. Yeah, well, it, I just and the only reason I'm, I'm disagreeing slightly is I noticed the attacks per minute like peaked at about point seven four or something along those lines, which was the highest they had in 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 the fifteen-minute segment throughout the ninety minutes. Um, but yeah, I, I yeah I agree. It's still even though they pulled one back and they, they were, you could see they were growing into the game a little bit. I do agree that there, was, there wasn't really you you couldn't see Liverpool losing grip of the the game the way they did in the early in the second half. No, well I think looking at that, you know that those figures I've just I've just mentioned there in terms of Liverpool just steamrolling the the, the opposing team on in the first half. Mm. For for me, it was like looking at. Two teams with very, very similar styles of play, but one team just more evolved mm. with better players and a better overall system and, and a higher ceiling and everything. Yeah. Uh, both teams were trying to impose the same game, similar games. Liverpool just had better everything, uh, which is understandable considering the level Liverpool are on in terms of the Austrian champions against the European champions. It's just different levels there. Um, yeah, Salzburg for me just hitting long too much. Rather than playing, not not necessarily playing out, but if you're hitting long up against Van Dijk, for example, who's mm. just heading it back every time, do you just maybe have to have a bit more, bit more confidence on the ball, play a bit more intricately rather than hitting long every time whenever they get possession? So Liverpool were just able to come and keep, keep coming, mm. and I think the second half it, it sounds like one of those. Uh, cliche descriptive words that you'd use to describe why a result got away from a team but it did seem as though it was complacency yeah to me you can look at all the tactical aspects in the world but it did just seem as though Liverpool just took the foot off the gas and I I felt it myself if I'm honest even when it came back to 3-3 I was I didn't really feel bothered I, I thought I still thought we'd win yeah I still felt fine didn't feel under threat didn't think we'd lose it mm. it was a weird game yeah, um, and we actually wrote about Klopp's development, didn't we? A couple mm. of weeks ago, since did, this yeah. four-year development, I think it's been. And one of the thing, one of the uh, the turning points, I think, in his career at Liverpool was the four-three with City at Anfield, and the three-three with Sevilla away. We led by I think three goals in both games, mm. but ended up scraping over the line against City, and. Scraping away with a point from from Sevilla, mm. and it was because we, we we couldn't control games. We had no control over games. Game management was terrible. Yeah, and I think since we've got away from that, we've improved. But this was this was in the in the old Liverpool mold. I thought. Yeah, no, just it, not being able to control games. Klopp mentioned after the game that it was maybe a case of some players trying to slow it down 
and other players behaving frantically and crazily. That was a direct quote from Klopp, which I thought was interesting, but mm. it was just a, a really chaotic game, I thought. Yeah, I also think it coincided with not the best performance defensively for individuals. And yeah. I said to you, didn't I? I know we've just waxed lyrical about him. And equally, I don't actually think he had a bad game. I just, I, as I said to you, it's when you when your standards are so high, if they're remotely a little bit less, you notice it with elite players. And that was for me what I'd seen probably Van Dijk's worst performance. And I don't, I don't necessarily mean in terms of because he got turned for the first goal because that was some really good attack and play. I just felt. He just did that that dominance that we were talking about at Sheffield United didn't feel there and the how good they were in attack made it easier to expose. And then Gomez didn't play great, did he? He was a little bit rusty. Yeah, well he's he's one of the points, isn't he? I mean yeah. might as well get onto it now. I think Gomez he just seemed a bit um you you could tell he hadn't played many matches. I thought you could tell he wasn't in that. Mm. You know, it's one of them intangible intangible words, but momentum. You could tell he didn't have that momentum behind him. Whereby he's played a couple of games. There was a there was a moment in the second half where a ball was hit in, into Liverpool's final third, an aerial ball, and he completely misjudged mm. where the ball was going to lie. Got ahead of the ball and it ended up bouncing behind him. Mm. It was just a weird. It was yeah, weird. you wouldn't expect that normally, would you? No. I I also wonder if the the really standout performances of Matip this year is is just having a slight psychological impact on him because it was always expected it's going to be Van Dijk Gomez. Van, no, before the injury, no yeah. Gomez is being phenomenal. He's he's going to, you know, it's going to be them two, and uh, I don't know. It just Matip's kind of really established himself in that role, hasn't he? And actually, he's been as good as, if not better than Van Dijk past this season. You know, he's one of the top-ranking centre-backs in some key areas in the Premier League so far this season. And I just wonder if now Gomez feels that more pressure to perform. And we've got that added with the fact that you are rusty in terms of match practice. I wonder if that's an influence on, on his performance. I know it's only one game or a couple one, of games. One narrative I do definitely need to address, though, is I, th- I think an obvious takeaway from that match is that people are inclined to say we really missed Matup. I think if Matup if Matup played, it still would have been a chaotic, crazy game. He would have. Influenced yeah, I don't agree with that myself. Yeah, I mean, I don't agree with that opinion, not yours. Yeah, <laughs> he I will have dare disagree, John. <laughs> <laughs> He will have influenced certain situations, I think, mm. Matip. I think he will have had more control about his game than Gomez did. I think Gomez was a little bit erratic in certain moments. A few misjudged errors. Um, maybe that need to overdo it to almost impress mm. rather than doing the simple thing, which Matip does really well. But I don't, I don't think if Matip plays, we win 4-0 or something like that. I think we still will have been in for a tough game. Salzburg would have still changed the system and caused us problems. We will have still been a little bit complacent since the second half. So I don't I'm not I'm not having that one personally. But I do think I do think at the moment Joe Gomez just does seem a little bit unsure in his decisions he's making. A little bit hesitant hesitant every now and then. Uh, and it's a little bit uncharacteristic of him to be honest, because he's he's generally quite assured in his game. How is how old is Gomez now? 
young. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I mean, <laughs> precise. That's worth checking, yeah. But yeah. It's, that's definitely worth saying, though, that he's got plenty of time to, yeah, of to get mad about the 11 and, and become Liverpool's Liverpool's first starter. But this is, oh yeah, he's 22. Yeah, this is what I mean, but I just wonder if, when you, you know, still as a young lad, with, with that narrative of now people saying, well, this is the this is the established two and you've got to come in now and break into that team rather than the position being open for you when you fit again. It's just, I wonder if that just change in narrative does impact his performance. You touched on something then about trying too hard type thing. I, we'll see. As I said, it's it's still early days, isn't it? He's still coming back and he hasn't played a lot of football, so can you really make any solid conclusions? Probably not, but it'll be one to watch when he does play over yeah. the coming weeks. Yeah. Anfield on the Blood Red Channel. Probably not right to be too critical because, as I said, it was a really tricky opponent to come up against. I think he put it this way: he's played twice in the Premier League. Sorry, he's played three times this season from the start, as far as I'm aware. Opening game of the season against Norwich. Norwich are very similar to Salzburg. Both willing to have a goal. Both willing to play through Liverpool more than um, other sides would. So naturally. You're going to look at the defence and think it's shaky and unusual, even if it might not be. They're just mm. coming up against a, a more attacking opponent. Yeah. And in the in the, um, in the League Cup, it was obviously MK Dons, which he, he, even then I must admit he, he wasn't he wasn't great. Mm. But I do think in that moment he 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 almost felt a little bit above his teammates in that game. I thought because he was playing with a gang of second strings really, and yeah. I don't think he perceived himself to be that. Mm. So maybe. You know that that needs to impress kind of thing, but you know generally do think we called we called the game quite well four three, crazy intense, um, eleven shots each in total, five on targets each in total, but difference being Liverpool just had more clear cut chances, Liverpool had an overall higher xG as a result, and you know I, I showed you before didn't I that Liverpool shot map for the for the yeah, match it was a it was your ideal shot, Matt. Really, it was all all your shots were inside the box, all fairly central, in and around the penalty spot, and you know they're they're frequently scored. Do you know what as well? We we haven't actually mentioned. Did you see Robertson's goal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was what a, a goal! Uh, yeah, it was. It was. A, it was a unique not, it, goal. The, the play was fantastic. Two fullbacks combined, and, and the the finish was like striker esque, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. But to, to go from one side of the pitch like that so quickly, it was almost. Pepesque in terms of switching to play, yeah, using that overload kind of thing. I wonder if I wonder if that is something that they've been it's trying and and just we've kind of missed it, or not, or it's going to be something that they do continue to do because the way they constantly switch to play between themselves, they must link more than any other fullbacks in in the Premier League by far yeah, in terms of direct passing links. Yeah, and you just, I just wonder if either they've been attempting that for a while. I might look into it actually, or if they will be now because it come off beautifully last night, and it's it's difficult to track as a defender. I think that run coming in. Yeah, well, I think Linders Pep Linders said once, what, "What's your ideal goal?" And he said, "My ideal goal is when a fullback sets up another fullback." Yeah, so of course it, he did. It, by it, the way. it, it was ex- right. exactly that. Yeah. Uh, almost in that total football mold, whereby mm. you know, if you've got the ball, everyone's an attacker. If you've got, if you haven't got the ball, everyone's a defender. Yeah. That kind of thing. Just uh, quickly before we move on, go on. What's your opinion on? I know we spoke about them in length, but Salzburg in terms of 
the group dynamic of the group, the, the oh, Champions yeah. group. Do you think they have a shot of getting, getting out of it? I do think they've got a shot, yeah, mm. definitely. I mean, Napoli played uh, Genk yesterday and drew 0-0. Yeah, which they is a bad result. They absolutely battered them, yeah. I must say. If you look at the XG, <sighs> was it something two, like... Two, two upwards, was it? I think, yeah, it was around yeah. three. And oh, three, all, yeah. Loads of big, about four, three or four big chances, really, at the penalty spot. That should be... I don't know what happened, didn't watch yeah. it myself. But they should have won, but the fact that Napoli now have four points, Liverpool have three, Salzburg have three, and Salzburg have got to face Napoli home and away. Mm. That's a good Salzburg team, that. Yeah. They can cause the team problems. Mm. Um, so, I, I do think Liverpool will get through, I don't think... No, yeah, if, if anyone's going out, I must stress, I think it's it's between Salzburg and Napoli. I don't think... Liverpool, for me, have already played the hardest... Well, probably... No, yeah, hardest game was Napoli away for me. I think Salzburg will be tough away, but that well, could suit Liverpool more, I think, that game. Yeah, well, one thing we're saying is we've got Salzburg away, the last fixture mm. of the group. And uh, Christian, who's usually obviously hosting the show, did tweet yesterday that, and, you know, it made a lot of sense. Liverpool, above all, needs to make sure that on that last fixture, we're already through, yeah. really, because you, you don't want to be going there needing some sort of results. Yeah, that's Hostile true. Hostile ground. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair point. And actually. I think if if that fixture yesterday was on was it was in Salzburg and they get back to three all, mm. different story yeah. a little bit. You know what yeah. I mean? And and can happen in, in those environments. We'll see. It's a good group anyway for the neutral. I think. Yeah, 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 definitely good side. Really enjoyable match. Hopefully, we'll keep calling them like that <laughs> for the future. <laughs> uh, so we'll move on anyway to. <laughs> The one and only Brendan Rodgers. I've been looking forward to this chat <laughs> because Liverpool's general fan base has always, for a number of years, seemed really, really split on this man. Mm. Um, so we'll we'll talk about him at length. We've got a fair amount of time to do so. Uh, and we'll probably upset many people because, as I said, he's right down the middle with a lot mm. of Liverpool fans. So, you know, what are your general, general thoughts on Rodgers? Because he's... At present, receiving quite a bit of praise mm. because of what he's doing at Leicester, which we'll get into. Yeah. Um, initially, I mean, an overview. I said to you, I really like him as a manager. I think he's got a few flawed <laughs> characteristics. <laughs> um, but I really like him. And I think, although for all its downsides, Scottish football has, it definitely helps a manager to develop a winning mentality that he is been fortunate enough to have it sell to him winning trophy after trophy after trophy um, so I think we're seeing a better version of Brendan Rodgers at Leicester than maybe uh, no actually I'm being harsh but we're seeing a, a more evolved version at Leicester I think than what we saw at Liverpool maybe it was a little bit more raw and more play dependent but I do like him I think he's I think he's tactically fluid you know he he, he tries I hate this term but I can't think of a better way to box it. He tries to play the the right way, so to speak, or and uh, pleasing on the eye way of football. And yeah, as a manager, I I am a fan. I think he's at a really good club to do well. Yeah, I agree. I mean, what what I've got written down on that, just in terms of generic thoughts, is that great coach. You know, top coach in terms of uh, training behind the scenes and things like that. Obviously, very exper- experimental regarding tactics, trying new things, testing new roles, and all that, all that sort of stuff. You know, thinking in in a strategic way. Very modern in in his approach to the game, his outlook on the game. But 
as you say, I, I think he suffers a bit from his ego. Mm, yeah. uh, it gets in the way sometimes from, uh, particularly Liverpool fans, because I think we had a similar period, in fact, to, to Everton when um, Martinez was in charge. Mm, yeah. Because they, they're both prone a little bit to. What's the word? <laughs> both smoke up one's bottom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's I can't remember if on, on the PG show or not. Yeah, that's so a I'll... polite way of putting it. Um, yeah. Exaggerating, I think we'll say. Yeah. Uh, and obviously he... I think Klopp's, Klopp, for example, I think is more inclined... I tweeted this a couple of days ago. I think he's more inclined to admit when he's not an expert on something. Yeah. And he'll let someone else do it. He'll just empower whoever is an expert. You do it. Whereas Rogers is just a bit more inclined to say, I, not, I know best, I think, kind, mm. kind of vibe. Yeah. Um but I think I think his current form though is the reason he's he's largely a talking point at the minute. Obviously we just beat Newcastle five nil, which we will get on to. But I think it's it's an interesting talking point because you know, Leicester's success at the minute success I mean third in the league yeah. you haven't won anything yet. Is is this because of Rogers or is he benefiting from the superb recruitment that's happened before he got there, sort of thing, because the, it's it's that it's that age old argument, that statement whereby you're only as good as your players. Mm, that's yeah. certainly my belief. I've come full circle with that. Yeah. Don't know about yourself. I, yeah. well, I've been into football analysis for a couple of years now, and when I first got into it, I was really tactically focused. I was massive on tactics, and I still am. Don't get me wrong, but. They play a part, don't they? But they're not. Yeah, yeah but I, I, I've, I've, I've realised gradually with time that no matter how good your tactics are, no matter how good your performance is, as as a coach, mm. you are just fully reliant on the individual quality of the players that you've got. Yeah. And Rogers just came into a squad that's really well balanced mm. um, in all areas: young, offensive, all them quality, mobile, all them qualities yeah. you want. And I think he's benefiting from it. Yeah. I mean, you know, controversially, I and it's a play we were going to touch on, so I'm jumping the gun a little bit, but I just think he's a really good example. You know, I think tactically he, he, he can't make mistakes. And I think if we're... Obviously, we've spoke very highly of him now, so just flipping the coin a little bit. I found watching them and studying, studying them this season that there's been a lot of examples of him trying to shoehorn all those quality individuals into the into the starting eleven. Yeah, I totally agree, yeah. And it's made them at times very unbalanced. And the the best example is Madison's been playing a lot on the left. Yeah. I was gonna mention this. Oh was you, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I um it's just that I, I studied it recently for the piece I did for Leicester, um where Chilwell Chilwell was basically getting isolated. And he's he's one of the best. I wrote a piece for Leicester too on a similar thing, but I didn't mention Chilwell though. Oh, Mine okay, was related yeah. to Chowdhury. Chowdhury was playing in the mm, centre yeah. without the ball. You think we talk about this stuff? When, yeah. Oh, yeah, you would, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, Ch- Chowdhury was, from what I've seen, Chowdhury yeah. was playing in the centre without the ball. Yeah. With Madison on the left without the ball. Yeah. And then when he assumed possession, Madison would come inside. Yeah. Chowdhury would go on the left. Mm. I can see the the intent in terms of having a, a solid defensive battle mm. without the ball in the middle. Yeah. But then once you've got possession and you put Chaldi on the left, 
he's offering virtually nothing. Well, you put Charlesy as your left yeah. on your le- as your left winger, left left side of the attacker. What's he gonna? What are you expecting? Exactly, from him, and, and part of Madison's game is is he drifts into space unoccupied spaces. That's that's what he's good at, isn't it? Um, so he by he's not going to maintain that position on the left. So we'll often make, as you just touched on there, that run more centrally. Or at times, I've actually seen make a run to the right flank when uh, there's already a right-sided player out there, and possession might be with the left back. And that's not so much a criticism as Madison, because that's just how his, how his game works. But then you've got one isolated player in, in the left back with around five or six opposing players between him and his closest pass. It's 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 ludicrous, really. And as I said, I think that's the problem he's having now. He's having to shoehorn so, or trying to shoehorn so many good players into one side. And tactically, they're very, very unbalanced. And... I think they're good, but I don't. I'm not sure if they're as good as people are getting carried away with this season. No, I agree, but I I just think like considering, for example, Emery or Marco Silva going into going into those clubs, they've obviously arrived whereby their their squads are in in turmoil to an extent. Mm. There's no balance there, top heavy to an extent. Um, and I, I think Rodgers has gone into a place whereby the recruitment's clearly very well organised. Mm. The players can be trusted. The players have got good individual quality. And, uh, you know, I, I reeled off a, a Valverde quote a couple of months ago. Uh, obviously, the Barcelona head coach. And he said, uh, I think he was speaking to the New Financial Times or someone like, people like that. And he said, he said, in, in no sport are you... In no sport is the head coach as reliant on his players as in football. Because once that whistle goes, the players have to take their own decisions mm. and make their own actions for 45 minutes at a time. Mm. No timeouts, nothing like that. You get 15 minutes with them in the middle of the match, that's it. So you are heavily reliant on your players. So, you know, I think I do think Roger's doing a good job. do think he's a good coach, definitely. do think he's... He's playing about with his formations at the minute. I think he's played. He's played all kinds, hasn't he? He's yeah. played four one four one. He's played a Christmas three formation. I know. Yeah. Um, I think. He, I think he brackets favors a initially starting with like a four one four one, doesn't he? But as you yeah. said, it's. I mean, which which to an extent is good. He he adapts maybe to the opposition, but I, I think sometimes. He's an, although he's not at Emery levels, if you can go, to, you can start be, becoming too fluid almost, and it, you lose structure a little bit, don't you? In the side, yeah. Um, like I think, just you know, on on the whole, benefiting from individual players and being reliant on your individual players. We'll use the Newcastle game as an example, mm. um, because you know, based on that performance, obviously Newcastle had ten men as well for a large period, but based on Leicester's XG on a, on the day, so based on the shots that they took, shots that they generated. They only had an XG of about 1.6, you know, under under 2 XG in most cases, and based on most models. And I think if you're scoring 5 off that, yeah. you've got... That, that's, that suggests good finishing quality, really. That suggests Clinical, that yeah. players have been able to finish relatively difficult chances from unrealistic areas. Um, so I, I do think, considering... The XG and considering Newcastle had ten men, I think five 0 really flattered Leicester. I don't think uh, 
it was particularly accurate. I don't think it was. I don't think it's anything particular for Liverpool to worry about in in the in the upcoming fixture. No. Yeah. Um, and you know, Leicester surprisingly, when you look at the numbers, they've come across relatively conservative this season. If you, if you actually look at it, haven't they? Yeah. Well, I mean, I I did have a little scan. I'm just short of forty percent of the goals they've scored this season came against Newcastle, <laughs> which says a lot, really, yeah, doesn't it? They're yeah. not they're not high scoring and maybe not as um, as free flowing in front of goal, which goes back maybe to the point we were just talking about how you know tactically they are a little bit all over the place because he's trying to get that balance that he he hasn't got yet. Um, Do you know what though? Rogers is generally. Surprisingly, say, yeah. surprisingly safe, you know, at times. Yeah. Uh, he's perceived as this attacking coach and things like that, which he, that he, season, he has really, got. He yeah. has got. Mm. By the way, off that one season, yeah. that comes back to the players thing I've just mentioned. Obviously, the, the whole Rodgers thing, play, people are inclined to say, it's because of Suarez. Yeah. It's because of Suarez and things like that, right? Yeah, it might have been <laughs> to a large extent. Oh, that is always the case. That's always going to be the case. You will always be reliant to an extent on your players. Mm. Do you think Klopp's reliant on Van Dijk? Of course he is. Okay, yeah. Do you think he's reliant on Alisson? It just so awesome. happens that Rodgers had one player really that was considerably above the rest. Um, so I, I think although Rodgers will have been reliant on Suarez to an extent, that's fine. That happens. That, that's what... That's, that, that's what usually goes on. That's what um, good recruitment's meant to get you, isn't it? That's why you try and do it. You try yeah. and recruit well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you think Pep Guardiola was reliant yeah. on Ma- Lionel Messi when yeah. when he scored, what was it, 90 in, in, in a calendar year or something year like that? It was, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think that was an important point yeah. to me. No, it, it is a really good point. Even, you know, even the basic, he's walking to the side with a 15, 20 goal season striker, Vardy, who still is doing that. Like, I, I keep waiting for Vardy just to have a huge drop off. And it just and it's probably around the corner, but it hasn't happened yet. And this they're really hard to find. Like you can't think of that many top class forwards who are just scoring as many goals off off not many chances than than James Vardy. And take take out you like Liverpool's and Cities. I'm talking about Sarge really out the top six. You know, and he's he's one of the few teams who who's walked into this ready made striker, and that that helps massively, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, just based based on those numbers that I've just mentioned. You know, looking at Leicester's data and things like that in terms of them being conservative, what I've got them down as is, at the minute, quite strangely, a good defensive team, mm. but bad on the offensive side of the game, which is a little bit weird considering they lost Harry Maguire. Should be a little bit shaky and good going forward considering Rodgers' perception, mm. but they're not that. No. Um, but what's it? I can never pronounce his name. You have to help me. Uh, is it Soy Soyuncu? The Turkish Soyuncu, yeah. Yeah, he's been he's played really well actually since he's come in. Um, yeah, he has. Yeah. yeah, and Evans seems Johnny Evans is weirdly in the form of his life. <laughs> so that that's eased the Maguire concerns. Um, but yeah, anyway, carry on. Sorry, just yeah. I mean, I just I'm a fan of him. I wanted to give him a nod. Yeah, in terms of XG against Leicester, the second best in the league. They, they don't at the minute. They don't they don't tend to face many clear cut shots at all, really, and they face the third fewest shots as well. So it's generally quite tricky to create chances against Leicester, clear cut chances and things like that. They're quite good at shooting you out in that regard. 
But then, uh, you know, surprisingly, on the offensive side of the game, they're only above Villa, Palace and Newcastle for XG. Uh, but they've shot the seventh most in the league. So what does that tell us? That tells us that in terms of XG per shot, Leicester's is terrible. So the bottom of the league for that, for XG per shot. In other words, they might be shooting, but their shots are not clear cut at all. They're never clear cut. Low quality. Yeah, low quality shots from unrealistic areas. So that bodes well for Liverpool. Yeah. Um, somewhat strange for a youthful Rodgers managed Leicester team that many will consider who've just scored five as well against Newcastle. Yeah. Because uh, it's it's maybe not what the common perception is. But Liverpool this weekend really are coming up against a good defensive team that haven't really got a great deal in attack, certainly based on the numbers at least. You know, obviously, we're only is it eight games, eight games in now. Uh, seven, I think. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it'll be an interesting match. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, I'm just trying to see how... I did, see, the only thing is with, with Leicester, just if you compare them, say, Sheffield United, you know, they they have a lot of the same players from... This season of the championship, the gnome for you know the well organised, well drilled. I just I can't even though they they performing quite well defensively. I, I I can't really see Leicester putting that same sort of defensive performance, which is me just in agreement really at the point you're trying to make that. Um, it's going to be a little bit. It's going to be bode well for Liverpool, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, it, it remains to be seen really at the minute whether it's intentional. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Whether they're intentionally being a bit sure at the back, maybe to 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 mentally get over the Maguire loss. Yeah. To show that, okay, we can deal with his loss, we can cope without some kind of thing. Or whether he he hasn't you know, he, he's he's been inclined to attack more and it just hasn't went that way. Or yeah. maybe it's been a case of the fixtures. I know they've played they've played Chelsea, haven't they? They've played United and they've played Spurs as well, isn't it? Yeah. So maybe and it's two to the fixtures. Then with away as well. Yeah, maybe it's due to the fixtures, but mm. it is a little bit weird, uh, and pe- pe- people uh, relating it maybe to to facing Salzburg, facing Leicester and Salzburg in the same week that they that they're similar, but at the at the minute they're really not. No, uh, not at all. I said to you didn't I when we nipped out earlier to get something sweeter, and, and I just can't. I think a lot of people are expecting something explosive from this game. And I, I, I don't actually see it. I can't see that happening. I, no, I think... I think it'll be a lot more conservative than people realise. But the thing is, if, if Rodgers does go out with the conservative approach, mm. I think it'll go badly for him. I, I think he... I think he'd benefit at Anfield. It sounds crazy, but I, th- I think he'd... Attack. When I say attack, I just mean... You know, bravery on the ball, try to try to actually play through his commitment mm. forward and that kind of thing, mm. which is obviously easier said than done. But if he is going to play within, if they are going to play within themselves with a bit of fear, I just can't see it going well for them. Um, it's it's just that that's I, I could be proven wrong. They might they might go all out for it. I don't know. We'll we'll see. But just my opinion, I think this one's getting built to be explosive fireworks. I can't see it, and I think. More so with Liverpool getting a bit of a wake-up call yesterday about that sort of fixture. I think they won't be as easily exposed to it either. 
we'll we'll see. It'll be interesting to see if they how, how aggressive they press the ball because they're one of the most aggressive sides in the Premier League, aren't they? Yeah, I think it's the same with Liverpool as well. But obviously, considering Vardy, that mm. the obviously the obvious major threat that Vardy poses mm. is if you play a high line, he's obviously as dangerous as anything yeah. in behind. He's one of the best strikers I've ever seen. I think in terms of dealing with that. A delivery that's came over the top. Just the a perfect defense. outlet, isn't he? All the yeah, time. Yeah, he's just a, unbelievable when he's presented down over the top. Perfect. If if he's if he's latching onto a ball that's just been hit over the top, even if it's a half chance, he he just maximizes it every yeah. single time. Really impressive, and he's he's done it a couple of times against Liverpool as well. I remember when he won the league, he he lobbed Simon Minnelli from oh, both yeah, thirty that. yards. Just stunning goal, that. Yeah, not sure if it would happen with Allison and goal like. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, you know, other, other than other than Jamie Vardy, um, I think it's worth mentioning James Madison because every now and then he's he's occasionally linked yeah. with Liverpool. Uh, he's obviously been linked with United as well. I'm not sure if you wrote about that recently. Yeah, yeah, I've wrote about him a couple of times. Uh, but you know, what are your general thoughts on him, and as particularly in relation to possibly being suitable to to Liverpool in the future or anything like that? I don't. Know, I, I really like him. I, you know, I like, I like his ability to to roam around the final third. I think he's he's really clever picking up pockets of space. Not that they're the same player, but just in this sense, he's he's a bit like Firmino in in, in the sense that he can find those little pockets even in really compact areas, which I really like. I think he's very good with the ball as well. I I don't know where he where he get into this current Liverpool side. I'm not sure he's a Liverpool player personally. Yeah. I don't think he is. And that's not me being negative about him. I say I really like him. I think he could play a higher level than Leicester, but I'm just not sure how he get in Liverpool. Yeah, I agree. Really, I think he's he's probably at a higher level than Leicester. Yeah. Uh, I think generally his numbers benefit a lot from the fact he takes set pieces. Yeah, he does, yeah. Obviously, his expected assist numbers are good because of that. Takes all the deliveries. He scores plenty of goals from free kicks. So he, he benefits a lot from that. I wonder how that translates with um, like non-set piece XG and uh, expected assists and stuff. And it's probably worth checking that out actually at some point. Yeah, yeah, probably is. Um, um, but you know, he's he's generally a creative player in a traditional sense, at least. Uh, but I'm not I'm not sure he's he's as much of a threat. I mean, as threat as people make him out to be in open play. Yeah, um, he's like a, he's like a Sigurdsson character. A little bit, yeah, 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 he is a little bit. Uh, obviously a good player, but the only the only player that I can remotely compare him with at Liverpool is Lallana. Yeah, maybe yeah, if Lallana goes, he'd be we'll in, get would, would, you, would you think he'd be an upgrade on Lallana? He'd be an upgrade on Lallana, yeah. but he'd only be useful for us against the weaker teams that would mm. be expected to be particularly at Anfield, like a Shaqiri type. Yeah, uh, and I'm not sure considering Leicester a charge about eighty million plus for him. I'm not sure he'd be worth that. Yeah, for yeah I was just about to say the price you pay to have to get him in, it just wouldn't be worthwhile. Yeah, I think he'd be worth that for maybe United, but yeah. not for Liverpool. Just, we haven't got the void. We haven't got an eighty million pound void there oh, for him. I agree, mate. Uh, so you know, to round up generics, uh, sorry, to round up uh, <laughs> all all the comments we've made, the verdict. What do you think? Yeah, I just I can't see past Liverpool. The only thing is, and I'm not sure if Liverpool can just continue 100% record. I think it's really diff- difficult in the Premier League to do so, as we've seen. But um, I just can't see them not winning this one. I'm going to go 3 1 Liverpool. 3 1. Mm. I'm going to go 2 0, I think. Uh, 
possibly three, depending on if he turns up playing with fear. Two, two or three. Three. Okay. Oh so. no, I don't know. Yeah, it's okay. tricky. It's we'll tricky. See. It really we'll depends see. on whether he comes conservative yeah. or not. Because if he does, we'll just steamroll him. I think we'll just press him into the ground, uh, and it's not a good. It won't be. Won't be good for them. Uh, so yeah, this is possibly Dave's last week. We, we have yeah. no idea yet because we're yet to hear from Chris. Next week we'll be back on the Tuesday. Uh, me and David attending Statsbomb on a Thursday, Statsbomb conference in London. Um, so yeah, we're back on a Tuesday. Unsure whether it'll be Dave or Christian alongside me. But you know, maybe both. Maybe both, yeah. Yes. But regardless, make sure you tune in. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Dave. Cheers. You've been listening to the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel.